Let's say go for done. it, Megan. All right. Three, two, one. Watch me. Level up. Level up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help it. I okay. 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 Z- 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 okay. Ready? What's up, Poison Pals? Welcome back to another episode of That Shit is Poison, featuring myself, Megan Gesner. And featuring myself, Harini Bhatt. And uh, we are just so giggly today. Uh, <laughs> prior to this recording, Harini and I were just talking about ghosts, looking through door jams, and just <laughs> being nonsensical. So we are feeling giddy and good, having some Correction. Laughs. Correction. That is from my end, that was all nervous laughter because Megan scared the <laughs> shit out of me when I did not need to hear that. <laughs> I was telling Harini about, I, I think that there is, okay, I've heard this so long ago, so I might be totally wrong, but I think I read somewhere on Reddit that there's like a a ghost that's specific to Japanese culture where the ghost is the type of spirit that you see in like the cracks of a door and the door jam. <laughs> When we were recording, I'm sitting right in front of my bathroom. So I was like, Harini, let me close my bathroom door because I don't want to look at an open door jam while I'm recording like behind, like it's behind me. And I didn't want to see any paranormal activity happening back there. (laughs) So the solution to that is to close the door entirely. And the solution in my eyes is there is no solution because how the hell do you get rid of every damn crack in your house? (laughs) kind of makes gather me think all about, the towels yeah <laughs> just cover cover all the cracks it that kind of also makes me think about scary movie three when mm-hmm. uh they're like the alien invasion is happening and they're they're in the basement barricading themselves and they're like they've discovered how to do interstellar space travel but yeah. they don't know how to get through <laughs> doors <laughs> oh my gosh i actually have not watched any of the scary movie movies oh dude um I used to love them. It's been a while since I've seen them. I think Scary Movie 3 will always be my favorite, but that's the one I watched the most when I was like mm-hmm. a teenager. Anna Ferris is always so hilarious. They're definitely like stupid humor. Like you have to like yeah. slap sticky stuff. Most people say that they really enjoy them. Yeah. I, I mean, at least the people I talk to like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like them. I do think the series has gotten progressively worse. Like I, I kind of yeah. stop at three. I know yeah, yeah. four was like I agree, kind of funny, but I was like, uh, could have stopped at three. It's fine. Yeah, true. There, that's always a trivia question. Um, how many Toy Story movies are there? And I think there's like six or seven. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I no? think that would be okay. insane if there were six or seven. No, Toy no, Story no, 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 no. That'd be Come absolutely guys. ludicrous. To- toy story are there only three because now in my head i was like oh there's four toy stories but now that i think about it, no no there are there Five. are f- no no <laughs> there okay. there are there are four i'm pretty there confident there are four why can't there be a better way to just look this up quickly yeah there are four Oh, Toy Story 5 is scheduled to be released on June 16th, 2023. Oh my God. 
why like what's the psychology behind that is it that a toy story is something that can span all generations there will always be a market for a toy story because there's always going to be children that are bred <laughs> like is that I, the, I, is that the psychology but, then, but if that's the case like why can't there be another bugs life movie yeah what the because, hell you know, i need to see I some that i need to see some flick and princess <laughs> Etta, whatever her name is. Oh my god, that was wow! I'm so impressed, Megan, that you even remembered that off the top of your head. I mean, flick. Yes, I don't know if the princess's name was was what I said it was. I think that sounds correct in my eyes, uh, or to my ears rather. But going back to what you said about the scary movie three, Mm -hmm. about the whole like alien invasion. So on a similar vein, my brother talks to his buddies from college pretty much every single day. I don't know if you're like this, Megan, but mm. I feel like you, for me personally, I talk to some people on different platforms. Like, for example, mm-hmm. I feel like you, me and Drew talk to each other a lot on Instagram messages. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then with Dave, I only talk, talk to him through Facebook Messenger. And mm. my brother, he only talks to his college buddies through Gchat. Interesting. Which is like very old school in my eyes, which is very much like their generation, I think. But anyways. Right, right getting to this point so my brother was talking to his friends and they were talking about okay if there was a zombie apocalypse Mm -hmm. how would you survive what would be the best way to survive Uh and my brother's my brother's answer was i would just board up a costco and just Mm -hmm. live there yeah because it has everything and i was like damn that's actually true because it's got beds it's got appliances it's got food uh huh. It's got rings, diamond rings, whatever you want to, you whatever, whatever you need, it's there. Diamond rings are critical yeah. to zombie survival. <laughs> exactly. If you um, need to barter, you never know true. what they might find true. valuable. True. So here's here's the deal with that. That's funny because um, this is actually something that I, you know I've asked my sibling or friends mm-hmm. before. Uh, I think Manira and I have almost word for word had this conversation because we've also been like oh, you know what, I'd go to a Costco and like oh, really? st- like hold down the fort there. But yeah, the yeah. issue with that, so I'm going to talk directly to Sid. Okay, Sid, if you're listening, Sid okay. Bot, her and yeah. bro. <laughs> if you're listening, though, like I feel like the problem with that survival tactic mm. is that if I just thought of it, or not thought of it, if I've already thought of that and you're thinking of that, I'm like, so many people... Will would you know target a Costco and in general I think so many people would target grocery stores I mean we saw how people yeah impacted Costco with COVID and toilet paper mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying you would have to be way ahead of the game to really secure that Costco like you'd have to right. know so much ahead of time that you just go to Costco on a normal day before the apocalypse yeah. officially happens and you just like live in the bathroom and no one knows you're there <laughs> and then when the apocalypse happens then you're ready like then you can like hold it down but yeah i just think true. that it's just like a high target facility correct so, so megan that's why we're gonna go tomorrow <laughs> all right we're gonna start living in costco's we're bathroom. gonna start living starting tomorrow, tomorrow. yeah okay yeah because <laughs> we just hide in the vents no yeah <laughs> I didn't I, that's true oh my god we're just so way ahead of the game <laughs> basically we are the japanese demons that you see in the cracks <laughs> it is us yeah. hiding in the costco vents that's at what night. we are oh that is hilarious <laughs> oh my creatures. god that is hilarious okay enough chit chatter let's get into it harini it is your turn today mm. to pick your mm. poison mm-hmm. show us what you got okay hey, show us the here money here we go guys here's the money so Actually, the story for today was inspired by Megan because 
she brought this up last week or my last time that I did my story. And I was like, you know what? I am going to follow up with this. Uh, so we were talking about the 1918 flu pandemic. And Megan brought up the fact that, oh, it'd be interesting to talk about vaccinations in general. So mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about the very first vaccine and how it was created. Ooh, ooh, that is interesting. It is actually this quite is, interesting. Yeah. All right. Because this is a this is a world that, you know, I have no knowledge of. I'm not a pharmacist. Neither do I, actually. I don't have any information. Really? Like, I never oh. really, like, I under, I knew what the first vaccine was. I knew, right. you know, like, how it was created in some vague sense. But this is, like, a whole right. education for me as well. I, it was really fascinating yeah. to, to learn about. So I'm excited to share with, with all you guys. So excited. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So sources right off the bat. So I got some sources from the BBC, history.com. The History of Vaccines, NPR, and Wikipedia. All right, so let's get into it. So I'm going to start off with a quote, and the quote is, your body... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just I should backtrack. Okay, so the very first, first vaccine was created for smallpox. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about smallpox, the history of it, uh, what is it, and then how the first vaccine was developed for this disease. Okay. So a quote about smallpox, your body would ache, you'd have a high fever, a sore throat, headaches, and difficulty breathing. But that wasn't the worst of it. On top of that, you'd get a horrible disfiguring rash over your entire body, pustules filled with pus on your scalp, feet, throat, even lungs. And over the course of a couple of days, they would dry out and start falling off says Renee Najera, epidemiologist. Disgusting. Disgusting. Megan, I dare you, I dare you to look this up. <laughs> uh, yeah, at your you own. You know I'm on it. <laughs> you said the word pustules yeah. and I was like, ugh, delicious. <laughs> oh, pustules is such a, like a medieval word, I feel. It is so like black plaguey. Yeah. You know? Oh, dude, one yeah. of these, one of these episodes we have to do black plague. Oh, totally. It, yeah, um, that is that is. Wait, deadly. wait. Is there a? Is it? Sorry, I missed. Mm-hmm. I I apologize if I missed it. Was there a scientific term for these pustules, or like, what should I Google search? Just Google um, search smallpox. Honestly, that'll do okay. it. Okay. In the same way that we saw the wildfire spread of the flu pandemic in 1918, smallpox rose in a similar way through global trade and by different colonial empires moving across the world to other countries. One third of adults would be infected with smallpox and be expected to die at a rate about 30%, which is pretty freaking high. But that number mm-hmm. was dramatically higher for infants, unfortunately. Uh, eight out of 10 children and infants would die if they contracted the disease. Smallpox came onto the scene in the 18th century. That was when it really, it was there for a long, long time before that. But because of global trade, because of, you know, I'm assuming the invention of boats and things like that, uh, that disease was able to spread more quickly across the world. So that's when it became more dominant. So 18th century or the early 1700s, and it killed roughly 400,000 people every year in just Europe alone and 500 million people in its entire history. So in other words, the last 100 years, including six monarchs. Not unlike other diseases, the area that was most susceptible to these outbreaks were ports, so seaports. 
1721, a smallpox outbreak in Boston would wipe out 8% of the population there. And it was interesting because, again, I'm... I'm referencing Outlander because it's around, it's literally in the, it takes place in the 18th century. So I didn't know that they would do this, but if a boat came back to a port or came, came to dock at a port and there's any signs and symptoms of smallpox on board, they would burn the entire ship. Like right then and there. Mm. Doesn't matter. They wouldn't mm. let them touch anything. They wouldn't let them bring off anything. If they were carrying goods, they didn't care. They didn't care that was your livelihood or your business. They would burn the whole ship mm. right at the docks. Yeah. Because as I will talk about later, the smallpox disease can stay on items for a long time. So just by touching those items, you can contract the disease as well. So it's just easier to just burn everything than like, you know, sanitize the whole ship, for example. Oh, this is my brain just being like a monkey playing with symbols. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. But I'm thinking like, okay, given the time period, and you mentioned the word burn, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, so like, you know when people witch hunting, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. like actual like declarations of this person is a witch, yeah, yeah, and they should be blah, blah, blah. Besides humans just being awful to each other and also just using any reason to like kill women or a person that didn't you know uh conform Mm. to what the expectations were at the time or whatever Mm. i wonder if on some level because we think about the stereotypical visage of how we depict witches are warty pustuly Mm. faces yeah and i'm like what's the connection between smallpox and the comments of like burn the witch right with warty appearances and i'm like what if there was some sort of clinical Mm. connection that women who had smallpox were targeted as witches and were burned i don't know i don't know maybe honestly maybe is that your cat (laughs) that is my cat and i'm sorry that took me so long to express what i was trying to get at i just didn't know how to get from point a to point no yeah no that that makes sense actually i'll have to look into that because there's always origin stories when it comes to things like that so you never Mm. know and that would kind of fit the time i think so yeah, unfortunately, if you did survive smallpox, the disease has lasting effects, kind of like what Megan was alluding to. It would leave some people blind and all mm. with nasty scars. So in mm. the scars would be like the, this pockmarked disfigurement of the face. Mm. In the 18th century, one third of all cases of blindness were due to smallpox. Najera emphasizes the scarring by saying, when the scabs fell off, they'd leave you pockmarked and disfigured. Some people committed suicide rather than live with the scarring. Okay, so that is kind of a base background and history of the disease. So kind of going back, like where did smallpox come from? What is it? So no one really knows where smallpox came from, but the evidence of the disease dates to the 3rd century BCE in Egyptian mummies. What we also know is that smallpox isn't seasonal or even year-round. It only occurs in outbreaks, so unlike the flu, for example. The term smallpox itself was coined in England in the early 16th century to distinguish the disease apart from syphilis, which was known as the Great Pox at the time. This was the name that stuck the most throughout history as we know now, but other names for it were the Speckled Monster and the Red Plague. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Those are some harsh... <laughs> the first one's really harsh. Okay, honestly, <laughs> when I heard the Speckled Monster, I was like, that sounds kind of cute. 
Oh, okay, okay. Speckled That's is a cute fair. word. I don't know. In my eyes, it, it is. It took me. A, it took me a moment, but you're right. Speckled is kind of a cute word. Yeah, yeah. But it ain't cute. <laughs> the earliest clinical evidence of smallpox that was written down in history was medical writings in India describing smallpox as early as 1500 BC, and then as well as in China in 1122 mm. BCE. So. Going back to our Egyptian mummy who had smallpox, it's speculated Mm. that Egyptian traders brought smallpox to India during the first millennium BCE, where it remained Mm. an endemic disease in India for 2,000 more years. The timing of smallpox to Western civilization is less clear. It's not super clear in any kind of text or anything like that. They've searched the Old and New Testaments, as well as in Greek and Roman literature. There's really nothing to suggest that it existed. So it was mostly kind of more in the Asian countries. But we do know that it was well and alive by the time of the Crusades in the Middle Ages, just by the sheer number of people coming into Europe. And by the 16th century, it was a dominant cause of morbidity and mortality all over the world. Hmm. And by the way, the way that small pro- smallpox spread to every inch of this world was through colonialism, like most other diseases. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what the heck does smallpox do to your body? Because that shit is mm. poison. That is a deadly disease. Smallpox is an infectious disease caused by one of two viral variants, variola major and variola minor. So symptoms include fever and vomiting. That's usually the first signs, followed by ulcers forming in the mouth and a skin rash. Over some days, this rash will turn into the characteristic fluid-filled blisters with a characteristic dent in the center, which is, I don't like that. And the bumps would then scab over and fall off, leaving those scars that we we talked about earlier. The Mm. disease is an airborne illness, particularly droplets. So being in the same room as someone who has the disease, so talking to someone for an extended period of time, touching them or even touching objects in that room, in the same room as that person, that can cause you to contract the disease. And that is enough for a successful transmission. So... Yeah, I have a question on that transmission. Mm-hmm. So if someone were to touch someone that has smallpox, mm-hmm. but it just stays superficially on their skin, like hypothetically, at no point do they touch their face, their eyes, mm-hmm. their nose, their mouth, and hypothetically just on their skin, does smallpox die? Because I'm, I'm almost thinking about COVID, like yeah, the yeah. early stages of COVID where like wipe every surface, right. sanitize your hands etc etc which like on some level still do that because Mm -hmm. germs in general sure because you were saying it's enough to like if you just touch someone it could transmit but is that if after touching them like you touch your face or like your nose or your mouth do you know i don't know 100 percent for sure but i can infer somewhat confidently that it is enough to just touch it without like touching your face or any of like your mucous membranes Mm because of how they ended up doing the inoculation later like in terms of the vaccine later because mm, basically the vaccine I, I can talk about it when we get to it but yeah so the vaccine mm-hmm. kind of involved just putting the disease on your skin um, and then you would right, you can right. contract maybe a milder form of the disease for example but you would still contract something okay because now i'm thinking about the, sh- the hulu show the great oh. um because that one russian et- yes well, yeah, she Catherine was originally Great. from Austria or something like, yeah, the Russian empress. Mm-hmm. She was known for self-inoculations yeah. and like actually inoculating like her 
a large amount of the country or the the royal population. Yeah, at I'm least. gonna talk about her later. And actually. I think. Oh, you are okay. No, okay, no, I'll shut not the just fuck like, up it was then. just no, 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 keep going because it's, it's just a small snippet. It was more like a fun fact. Okay, type of thing. Yeah, because I was because I, you know, I'm basing this off of literally a Hulu show. I didn't really <laughs> look into the actual details. I think like in the show they show that she like pricks her finger mm-hmm. and then like puts the pustulance into the wound mm. to like self inoculate. Sure, sure, and sure. Um, yeah, I was just curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. I think you would contract the full extent of the disease if it had if you had inhaled it for example or it went into like an open sore or something like that got it okay but yeah so once inhaled the variole virus will invade your mucous membranes in your mouth throat and respiratory tract which is your lungs pretty much once it's taken over there it will migrate to your lymph nodes which is where your body's defense mechanisms are so your teen b cells lymphocytes white blood cells etc that will help you fight off infection all live there it will just essentially make itself a home in there and then multiply. Once the variole is in your lymph nodes, that means it has access to your entire bloodstream. And I think Drew actually described this on his episode. So he described mm-hmm. the lymph nodes as, think of it as like your fast track pass to the mm. bloodstream freeway that gives you access to the entire body. So this results mm. in the virus spreading to your spleen, your bone marrow, and mm. then the other, because you have multiple lymph nodes, other areas of where your lymph nodes lie. Mm-hmm. And throughout this whole process, you're contagious from beginning to end. Mm. Okay. So how the hell do you treat something like this? Like clearly this has been killing people for years. And then mm. especially in the 18th century, it was the deadliest disease. People were really, really afraid of it. Just like in the Middle Ages, people were afraid of dying from the Black Plague. This would be the highlighted disease of that century, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, of course, with something so deadly there that has been around for some time, there must have been some ways people tried to treat it, quote unquote. There's a wide range of antidotes from the straight up bizarre to also the straight up useless. So this mm. included placing people in hot rooms sometimes cold if the hot didn't work <laughs> not eating melons specifically Aww, i know that's like, too bad. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, uh, now i'm thinking i'm like dude if i had to stop eating watermelon that just would not fly with me i, I would just get sick was was there an affiliation with like specifically melon dude um there was no rhyme or reason pox? there's no rhyme or reason no to it's just stuff. like a. Uh, what's it called like an old wives tale Ner- an old wives yeah tale. i was like a nurse's tale no that one doesn't make any sense <laughs> we're in each other's brains um, yeah, yeah you knew what i meant yes, i knew and then yeah. they would also do this thing where they would wrap people in red cloth and then i don't mm-hmm. know what that was gonna do and then there was mm-hmm. one that i particularly liked one 17th century medicine man would give would prescribe 12 bottles of small beer to the patient every 24 hours. <laughs> I don't know why they had to be small. Feel better. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Small beer. Small, small beer. Not large. <laughs> small. But I mean, you would probably be so drunk off your ass that you would not feel probably sick anymore. But spoiler yeah. alert, none of these worked. Right. So funny. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to look at what people used to do back in the day before real medicine. Yeah. Just anything under the sun. Dude, Sheer like, desperation. Exactly. I was like, you're, you're just so desperate. You, I, like, I know I would try anything if I was back in those days. So there, yeah. there was a real solution to this smallpox problem known as inoculation. 
or variolation, Mm. which is what they called it then. This involved taking the pus of someone with smallpox, then scratching it into the skin of a healthy individual. Mm. (laughs) Megan Mm. Megan did not like that visual. Mm -mm. Uh, Nope. (laughs) Another technique involved, this this is the one that I had to draw the line with, guys. Another technique involved blowing smallpox scabs up the nose oh god yes this is gross this is gross guys (laughs) Hmm. i would take the scratching over the scabs at my nose yeah dude i no 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 like i can't even like i would just sneeze that shit right back out anyways (laughs) yeah that's gnarly that's Hmm. so These techniques were first done in Africa and Asia, then eventually it made its way to Europe in the 18th century. This inoculation was mostly, you know, spot on, meaning that most of the time the individual would get the disease, but it would be mild enough or they would survive. Mm. In some Mm. cases, people would contract the full smallpox, though. Mm -hmm. Another Mm -hmm. issue with these techniques of inoculation was that people who got inoculated would contract a mild form of smallpox and be fine, which was great. But now these people were carriers of the disease and could and would inadvertently pass it on to other people who were not inoculated. Right. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. all in all, the world definitely needed a better solution to this problem. So what was that solution? Megan, is it more red cloths? <laughs> more red cloths. <laughs> red cloths. You inhale the red cloths of your nose. Uh, so long ago, in an idyllic pasture in the English countryside, was a beautiful mm. milkmaid. Her face was flawless, mm. milky, just like her job. <laughs> and she <laughs> and she bragged that she would never get smallpox because she had cowpox. Oh, that's a thing. <laughs> yes, it, Megan, it is a thing, and it is also equally disgusting to to Google search. Mm-hmm. I'm googling it <laughs> as at your own risk. A 13 year old orphan boy heard the milkmaid bragging. This boy was Edward Jenner, an apprentice to the country surgeon, and he would one day grow up to be the person who creates the very first vaccine and eradicates smallpox from the world. So. Here he comes, Edward Jenner. He's living in this town called Berkeley. And oh God, I'm going to, I told myself that I was going to do that YouTube pronunciation thing before I recorded and I definitely mm. didn't. Mm-hmm. Megan, maybe you can help me out. <laughs> it, okay. is, is it Gloucestershire? 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 Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like Gloucestershire? Maybe? I think it's Gloucestershire, but you, you keep need going to and then I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll come back to you. <laughs> okay. So in this town of Berkeley was a country doctor, Edward Jenner. He originally trained in London and was one of the top surgeons of his day. Being a doctor, Jenner was definitely interested in curing smallpox and was one of the first children to get inoculated, or he was one of the first people to get inoculated as a child. It was well known at the time that there was a small group of people in the country who were seemingly immune to smallpox. Most of these people were farmers or milkmaids, which is exactly what he grew up hearing the story about. What Jenner found was that cows had a version of smallpox called cowpox, which was a milder form of smallpox that would generally present as like these scabby pustule like things on the udders. Mm. And of course, Mm -hmm. being a milkmaid, you're touching the udder. So then they would get 
you know, these scab like things. Oh, I guess that kind of answers your question, Megan, because if they're just like yeah. touching it, because they would get pustules on their hands from just like touching the cow uh, udders. So uh, I do think you can still contract the disease by just touching it. That that makes sense. I think like I'll be totally honest mm-hmm. with you. I'm not satisfied with that answer because mm-hmm. like, OK, yes, I do believe you can just get it from contact. But I think like the reality is our skin has the most microscopic abrasions that like there are cuts that might not hurt or whatever that just are on our hands Mm -hmm. that I think is that's how the disease gets access into the body. Sure. So I'm like agreeing, but also like, but I think there's also this one extra. Yeah. No, I agree with you. There there must be something more to that that we're, that we're not seeing right, right away. Right. That being said, to pronounce the name of this town, yes. or uh, is it town or like region? Anyway. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's Gloucester. Gloucester. No. Yeah. Really? I mean, I went to Wikipedia and I clicked the listen and some guy with a very distinct type of British accent, I guess, you know, based on yeah. your, the location mm-hmm. of it. But he was like, Gloucester. Okay. Like, okay. Wow. There's a lot of extra letters in there. <laughs> Uh-uh. Okay. So in the, uh, a nice country town called Berkeley in Gloucester. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so these cows would contract cowpox, which was a milder form of smallpox. Of course, these farmers and milkmaids would come in contact with the cowpox whenever they would milk the cows, etc. And they initially would be mildly ill for a few days, but then fully recover without any lasting effects, unlike smallpox. So they would not have any of the disfigurement or scarring at all. So in 1796, after gathering evidence from his patients, who were mostly farmers and milkmaids, Jenner decided to start his experiments. A lot of Jenner's motivation for figuring out a better cure for smallpox came from being psychologically scarred by the experience of having smallpox. Because even with Mm. inoculation, you still had to go through some version of this horror. Mm. His methods were a bit sus honestly but his first (laughs) potentially fatal experiment was on a child so Mm. and i don't know if he had consent from this child but whatever Mm. he took pus (laughs) it's been done i know (laughs) he took pus from the cowpox lesions on the hands of a young milkmaid sarah nelms and scratched it into the skin of eight-year-old james phipps after Mm, okay no i'm laughing because (laughs) All I see is just fur because Megan's cat has just sashayed across the screen. Yeah. It's been multiple times now. Uh, he's good. Like, he'll eventually go. But there was there's moments where he just, like, stands there yeah. and won't move. Because yeah. he wants Megan's attention right now. Or is it her? <laughs> lieutenant. It's lieutenant. Okay. It's my l- lieutenant. Aww. Anyways. Yes. So, back to the child. Back to the child <laughs> being inoculated against his will. So... <laughs> After a few days of mild illness, James recovers enough for Jenner to inoculate the boy with a smallpox blister. So just to get Mm. the steps right. So he first scratches into the skin of this boy, the Mm -hmm. cowpox pus. Got it. Boy gets sick for a few days, then recovers. And once he has that, then the doctor scratches into his skin the smallpox blisters. And mind you, Edward Jenner, albeit he is a surgeon and a good one at mm-hmm. that. So good working mm-hmm. knowledge of anatomy, medicine, and physiology, all the things. He has no idea if this shit's going to work, right? He has no idea. Like no one's, no one understands what a vaccine is. He doesn't even under, really understand what inoculation is. He just knows that 
this person did not get sick from cowpox. They did not get severely disfigured like they do with smallpox. So there must be something in cowpox that makes you quote unquote immune, even though they didn't even have that word like that word didn't even exist back then right. he's just like there's something about it that makes them okay and survive mm-hmm. so if, if he can survive the cowpox maybe he can survive the smallpox so that's just kind of his thinking mm. whether it will work mm-hmm. or not who the fuck knows all right so then he inoc- inoculates this boy with a smallpox blister james didn't develop smallpox and neither did anyone else he came into contact with so truly mm. this was a scientific miracle Although mm. totally fucking unethical to experiment on this child. Mm. Yes. But, yes. you know, for science, right? Mm. <laughs> and also at this time. It was a different time. It was a different time. It was a different time. Were, like at, at the end of this footnote, there's like 70 asterisks, you know? And also at this time, <laughs> no one understood the immune system. Like I was saying, there are no words or concept for antibodies and memory T cells, mm. et cetera, that we have today. So it was kind of mind blowing and scary at the same time that he just went for this. But it worked. It worked. So Jenner called this method the smallpox vaccine, with the word vaccine coming from the Latin name for cowpox, which was vaccinia. Mm. So that is where we get the word vaccine today, kids. So Jenner knew that this was going to work after he could see it right in front of his eyes working on this kid. And so he set out to vaccinate as many people as possible. He didn't seek any money from his vaccine and wasn't interested in patenting it. He shared the knowledge of the vaccine with as many other physicians as possible, teaching them how to do it so they can vaccinate entire towns and cities. And it's interesting because like the vaccine was actually a person, if that makes sense. Once you got inoculated, like you had the blister, you became the next person who could vaccinate, if that made sense. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people got vaccinated. They got mildly sick with cowpox. Then they had the smallpox blisters. They would serve as the next person who would be able to vaccinate the next person and so on and so forth. So they would bring a bunch of vaccinated people and they would put them on these ships. And then those ships would go to other countries and they would act as carriers to provide vaccines to other countries. So that's how they were Mm -hmm. able to vaccinate most of the world. And by 1979, smallpox was completely eradicated from the world. Smallpox is only one of two diseases to be eradicated in the entire world the other is called rinderpest in 2011 that was eradicated from the world it's also called cattle plague so this is the last part of the story i wanted to end on some like societal cultural historical tidbits the british used smallpox as bio warfare during the french and indian wars of the 18th century specifically using smallpox against the Native Americans. And this was something Mm -hmm. that happened quite often. A lot of different people and countries would use smallpox as a weapon of war. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't. But either way, that's really, really disgusting to Mm -hmm. hear about. But Mm -hmm. I think if you guys remember from earlier, I said smallpox also killed six monarchs throughout history. It was super prominent, obviously. So a lot of people got it. So here are some notable cases from the time. In 1767, Mozart was 11 years old and survived Mm -hmm. a smallpox outbreak in Austria that killed the Holy Roman Empress Maria Josepha. And she was the Mm -hmm. second consecutive wife of the emperor to die of the disease. The famous Lakota chief, Sitting Bull, also contracted smallpox, but I believe he survived. Mm -hmm. George Washington also got it and survived. 
Louis the Fifteenth got it and died. Mm-hmm. Henry the Eighth's wife, Anne of Cleves, got it and survived, but was disfigured by it. And mm. his two daughters got it. So Mary the First and future Queen Elizabeth the First got it as mm-hmm. well in 1562. And Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth I, was also disfigured by it or had the pockmarks on her face and would thereafter disguise the pockmarks with makeup. And mm. this was like, now that I'm thinking about it, when Dave and I went to, we went, we went to London for New Year's in 2019. So I wanted to take him to Hampton Court Palace, which is where Queen Elizabeth I had resided for, she would like go to different places, but she would mostly stay there, I believe. So they had this, reenactment so this lady who would dress up as queen elizabeth would reenact some like scenes and then you can go to court and like ask her questions and things like that it, it was like a cool little thing and through that we learned that all the pictures that we know of her and see of her mm-hmm. are pictures from when from before she got the disease so mm. even when she was older it was almost like a campaigning thing a marketing thing she wanted to mm-hmm. only uh portray herself as like really young and really healthy as, mm-hmm. as a british monarch to instill morale in the people that they have a strong and vigorous and lively queen mm-hmm. so like i guess i could always wikipedia this but like so any later paintings of her were was she always instructing like paint me even though i'm older now and clearly have pockmarks paint me like i was back then correct or is it like the moment she started aging a bit and clearly had scarring she was like don't paint me anymore okay good question (laughs) i think it was i think it was probably more the latter when she started to get Mm -hmm. a little bit older and she couldn't disguise it as well she would be Mm -hmm. like can you just portray me as i was then okay okay Mary, Queen of Scots, survived the disease with no visible scarring. And then what Megan was talking about earlier, Peter III of Russia got the disease but survived, barely. Mm-hmm. And his wife, Catherine the Great, was spared of the disease but lived in great fear of the virus from then on out. She was mm. so scared, particularly for her son, Paul, getting the disease that she made sure that large crowds were contained and pretty much isolated him away from everyone else. Which, you know, it sucks, but sort of makes sense for the time because they didn't know how else to, Mm -hmm. you know, get rid of the disease other than to quarantine yourself in some way, right? Eventually, Catherine the Great decided to get inoculated by a British doctor as well as her son, Paul. And this was considered Mm -hmm. pretty controversial at the time, but it succeeded. And after that, Catherine worked to have inoculations done throughout her entire empire, stating, quote, Mm. my objective was through my example to save from death the multitude of my subjects who, not knowing the value of this technique and frightened of it, were left in danger. So Mm -hmm. by 1800, approximately 2 million inoculations were administered in the Russian empire, which is super impressive for the times. Mm Mm-hmm. U.S. Presidents George Washington, Andrew Jackson, and Abraham Lincoln all got smallpox and all recovered. Washington got the disease while away on a visit to Barbados. Jackson got Mm -hmm. it while being a prisoner of the British during the Revolutionary War. And then Lincoln got the disease during his presidency, possibly from his Mm -hmm. son, Tad, and was quarantined shortly after giving the Gettysburg Address in 1863. Joseph Stalin also got smallpox when he was seven years old, and it left his face badly scarred, and he Mm -hmm. later had any photographs of him retouched to make his pockmarks less obvious or not even there. To end on this, in the East, smallpox was heavily tied to religious practices. For example, there is a Hindu goddess 
entirely dedicated to smallpox named Shitala. You worshipped mm. her to prevent or cure smallpox. Then in China, there was a smallpox goddess referred to as Tu Shen Niang Niang, which means heaven flower. They named it something complimentary so as not to offend the goddess. And to ensure safe passage and health in the new year, it became a New Year's custom during that time in China for the children of the house to sleep wearing ugly masks so as to hide any beauty and therefore avoid attracting the goddess. Hmm. I spoke briefly earlier about the various methods to attempt to rid people of the disease. And one of them I said was wrapping people in red cloth. So for some reason, across multiple different cultures, they believe smallpox was caused by some demon, and that demon was afraid of the color red. This led to mm. the quote-unquote red treatment, where victims and their rooms would be decorated in red. This practice spread even to Europe and was practiced by Charles V of France, as well as Elizabeth I in the 12th century. And this belief had staying power up until the 1930s. So... Wow. That's that. That was that was the whole yeah. story. So that is the wow. history of the vaccine of smallpox and the first eradicated disease of our world. What what was the time period that it actually became a vaccine in the way that we know? Mm. Oh, it. that's a good question. Do you know? Cuz like I understand that this is the story of technically the first vaccine in a sense of people were getting comfortable with this concept of inoculation and recognizing, oh, if you're exposed to like a small amount, then you build some sort of immunity. Yeah. Oh, that's novel. Immunity. Like, I get I get that. But I'm curious to know, like, at what point did this become modernized? Or did it never reach that point? Because this concept of inoculation just was so well and thriving for, like, many, many, many decades. Yeah. Okay. So there is a vaccine, vaccine like how we know today, like, something that you draw up and inject mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. a shot. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's like not readily available information right now on the CDC. But I think from my understanding of my research, most of most people in the world were inoculated by this method. And then it was almost not herd immunity, but because everyone was inoculated at that time, it wasn't mm -hmm. like they passed it on, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So no one, everyone at that time had gotten the inoculation and were not getting sick from it anymore. And then after that, it comes in spurts and waves and like outbreaks, probably mm -hmm. in different areas or different countries that weren't able to get the inoculation just yet. It is now a actual injection, although no one mm -hmm. needs it right yeah. now. It's not telling me exactly when it became just that, um, like a more modern version. There's three smallpox vaccines today, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's not super clear. Like, okay, honestly, yeah. I think that because even the flu vaccine, honestly, didn't I know that only came into the picture way later, like in 1953, mm. right? Even though the pandemic mm. happened in 1918. And even then at that time, because I know they understood what vaccines were, because there's literally a picture of some chief police commissioner getting the vaccine or some mayor getting the vaccine at the time. Like they had created a vaccine for the flu in 1918. They got the shots, mm -hmm. but then they later found out that it was completely useless. Like it actually didn't protect mm. you from the flu. So they had the technology in 1918, for example, is what I'm trying to say. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure that the smallpox vaccine probably existed back then, if that makes sense, you know, considering yeah. the yeah, amount yeah. of time that had elapsed since the 18th century. I'm assuming they probably just like put that technology of a little bit of the smallpox and maybe in the cowpox 
put it into like some liquid so that they can you can just inject it. Well, that's really <laughs> cool. No, no, I love that. That was a really cool story. And um, no, I'm I'm enjoying this this theme or series, whatever you're gonna do mm-hmm. if you're gonna do more on these. Uh, looking into the history of diseases and in some way it's like a commentary on like how far we've come right yeah um i really enjoy it personally so thank you for bringing that forward Mm, because it's like a nice little education for me yeah same um i'm thinking about the milkmaid with her cowpox and i'm laughing inside my head because uh, i held my tongue earlier but now i'm gonna say Mm. it because we're done but you're like you know she's she's I don't know if we said she was gorgeous, but, you know, we're kind of building this, like, stereotypical, like, oh, a milkmaid, young, and probably porcelain skin, because that's the geography of the area Mm -hmm. or whatever. That's, like, how people looked in that area. (laughs) But then I'm like, oh, but she had cowpox, and then I'm looking at the photos of cowpox, and I'm like, God, she must have been, like not that great looking if she had cowpox. Did you look it up, the cowpox and the smallpox? Yeah, so cowpox look like they're the abscesses or the bumps or whatever they're called. They're definitely bigger mm. than what smallpox looks yeah. like, which makes sense because smallpox is small, right? right? <laughs> uh, but cowpox is like pretty big, yeah. kind of gross yeah. looking. It's all yeah. kind of gross looking, to be honest. Yeah, it is. But I feel bad for the cows that have it on their udders. Dude, oh my that God. must be so painful. And then like they're like pulling on the udders for the milk. I don't know. It's I just, know. Like, too much. These poor animals, yeah. they don't deserve that shit. I know. But yeah, anyways, yeah. that story is done. But then mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking online because I was looking at pictures for the flu pandemic to post for today. And mm-hmm. I found something really interesting to as an addendum and from my last episode so one of the things that came out of the 1918 flu pandemic which i thought was very interesting was the modern bathroom so i guess before Mm. that they would do like tubs like the you know like the tubs with the um what do you call it like the foots like a foot like Mm -hmm. a claw tub yeah yeah is that what it's called yeah yeah Yeah, so they'd have the claw tub and uh, I don't know what they would have. Like, I think they would have like wood floors probably in the bathroom, like things mm. like that. So after the flu pandemic, that's when we got the modern bathroom with bathtubs that were attached to walls and then tiles everywhere. And why mm. why that was is because it's easier to clean a bathroom that way and keep it more sanitary because you can just throw a ton of bleach on that and it will mm. be clean versus like wood that's just gonna like seep in right you can't really clean that so then the tiled walls started to be done with smaller tiles with very little grout space because you don't want any space where you know bacteria can just live and the reason they got rid of the feet or the claws on the tub was because that meant fewer spaces for germs to hide right so right right yeah that's how we got our bathroom oh my gosh i love that little tidbit that is so so interesting and makes a lot right? of sense because i'm like yeah imagine if you're caring for someone who has a flu and is just like vomiting sweating Dude. throwing up and it gets on the ground in between the claws of the tub Mm-mm. and you can't move that tub no. that tub is heavy ass. right like whoa that's crazy i know like i would have never thought that n- neither would i that that's why our bathrooms are the way that they are because of convenience for our health right so smart that's so smart and you like honestly like what's next right. i'm like what interior design is next what what type of sickness is going to come our way that it's so impactful that we have to change our bathrooms for it dude okay Whoa. and that's what i'm saying i'm like i'm just sitting here to this day guys like to this day we have the tiles in the bathroom like obviously we to this day we mm-hmm. have that but i'm mm-hmm. like i never 
thought twice about it. I'm like, yeah, we have tiles in the bathroom. What's new, you know, but never right. stop to think, why do we have that? And what you actually said last time about the fashion of it all, you know, like that mm. fashion aspect of I'm just so curious. Yeah. I'm like, did certain types of fabrics maybe or even like st- mm. styles of wearing things come out of the pandemic or like these other diseases? Um, right. You know, like you never know. Right. Like maybe some certain fabrics um, are less prone for bacteria to live on. Like you, you don't, you don't know. Mm -hmm. So, or, or like, um, like bedding, you know, like when people are so sick and you have to change the bedding, it's probably really hard to wash that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the sheet, the the thread count was probably taken into consideration. Like what's more popular. Totally. Huh. (laughs) Interesting. I love it. There's a whole world we just like aren't aware of. It's nuts. But but yeah, that's that's another story in the books, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Harini. All right, perfect. We'll do the antidote. Okay, antidote, antidote. My antidote is that my bathroom door did not open (laughs) one time. (laughs) I didn't see any ghosts. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Is simple. It's the only thing that's like fresh in my brain, and it is totally meaningless. But small things make me happy i painted my nails today and i think what's fun about that is i like actually painted them when i was on a work call i just turned my camera off and listened and i was like i'm gonna file and paint my nails and uh no shame in the game i'm sure some people have done that before and i still responded (laughs) (laughs) when i'm talked to i'm not like totally out of it but uh yeah it's just like i'm just gonna get my nail i'm multitask do my nails Mm. that's the beauty of working from home it's so true you can pay attention and and take care of yourself so my antidote is that i did my nails and they look nice i love that dude there's something (laughs) so sinfully satisfying about being on a work anything and then being able to do something else at the same time like get something done like two things at once absolutely so nice so nice yeah love it i love that my my antidote i think my antidote was last night that was such a fun time so guys it was uh megan and i actually hung out last night it was a full moon mm-hmm. and so megan and i i went over to megan's we walked down or we went over to the beach and we just plopped on the oh. sand and watched the moon and just like had some witchy conversations it was super fun it was so fun. And then it got like particularly witchy <laughs> when this young man approached us. Oh, man. I'm just going to share this. Yeah, on <laughs> this is not part of the antidote. No. In fact, like this was like, uh, this we didn't know how to handle this. Part of the-, <laughs> the poison part. But uh, okay. This is something that has happened twice mm-hmm. now to Harini mm-hmm. and I. And I'm curious to know if any of our listeners have gone through a similar experience. But like I said, Harini and I, we like to link up. And then we'll go to the beach and have our girl. Um, I'm not going to say girl time. Yeah. It's like friendship time. Yeah. It is one on one. We are shooting the breeze. Like we're just catching up and regaling each other with stories. Not that we don't do that here, yeah. but like we really just like focus on each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this. But both times that we've connected like this, a person and both times it, it has been a man will suddenly just like stop, look at us. And when we are literally in mid-conversation, and when I say conversation, I mean animated conversation. Mm. Like, Harini and I are guffawing. (laughs) Like, we are laughing. We are using hand gestures. Like, we are clearly so um, absorbed into each other's conversation. Mm -hmm. But a man approached us both times while we're in the middle of really telling our story. 
and he, they just interject yeah. and they're like, oh, hey, like, hey, and then they just want to talk to us. And then, of course, we're accommodating of that because we're honestly, I think we're so taken aback that someone right. just straight up entered our conversation <laughs> right. because it's like so clear that we are very engrossed right. in like each other and not not anything more. But anyway, long story short, the full moon was fantastic, yes. but someone interjected in our conversation like so blatantly. Mm. It was a shock to the system. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? What is and that? Then, is that? Uh, hey, I will say, like, he, what he brought to the conversation was just nonsense, like, not <laughs> nonsense and not great. And to be fair, we were right next to a silent disco under the full moon mm-hmm. next to a drum circle. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure dr- drugs were probably being thrown about. So we're not going to assume anything. But he seemed a little uh, unraveled yeah, in some ways. He was, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Well, you know, yeah, Poison Pals, I'm so curious. Like, does that shit happen to you? Because it is so freaking annoying. Like, don't you, mm. like, why do, I wasn't going to go there, but why do men mm, feel like there. they can just go up to women <laughs> and just start freaking talking to them? Like, come on, take a freaking hint. I have a more moderate opinion mm. on this. It's, to me, I'm like, okay, well, it's just because of, like, my work that I do. I always have to, like, talk a certain yeah. way. Yeah. It's not necessarily men. The both times that it's happened, it has been men for us. But it's like, there are people in the world who just cannot pick up social cues. Mm, And it is just crazy to me. Like, never in my life would I ever see two people talking (laughs) who are clearly just clearly catching up. Like, they're they're clearly catching up. I would never be like, I'm going to enter that conversation. No, no way. Like, I just... (laughs) I'm a total stranger. Like, how do you think that would be perceived? So, absolutely not. It's just weird. Anyways, so that was, like I said, (laughs) that was the sour note of the night, but that was just like, that was maybe like 0.05% of the night. The rest of the night was gorgeous Mm -hmm. as it always is and it was super super fun we got to see the full moon Mm -hmm. and it was just a good time and i guess like as a future antidote no why why am i saying that right now i'll leave it for my next week's antidote why am i trying to save it save save it it. (laughs) you only get one i know i'm right i was like i'm I'm not gonna have anything for next week i was like you fool yeah (laughs) close your mouth (laughs) all right okay guys oh wait before we head out of the episode please rate review and subscribe yes yes, yes it yes. helps us so much you guys have been reviewing and liking and rating so we see you guys and we so so appreciate it so continue to show us that love all right all right take us away harini don't risk it for that pustule filled biscuit i fucking knew you i knew <laughs> pustule was gonna be there. i love it i'm so glad you did that and, and if you right. do, cover it with that red cloth. All right. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.